This is The Mooncast Yeah, um Dude, man, I just want to start out first with like, how are you? How are you doing? How are you feeling? What's this? What, how do you feel about the state of the market, man? Um, I think I think we're in a sideways motion. To be fair, um, I, I don't think um, I think kind of we've had the worst of it. Um, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think we're on a sideways motion for now. So I think we're going to continue for some time. Uh, it's just going to be hovering up and down until the next run up. But I mean, yeah. that can happen anytime, really. Yeah. Do you think anytime, you think it's possible that we could go, I mean, anything's possible. What, what do you think the likelihood is that we go below 20K again before the next halving? I think it's likely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think people are getting hyped now. But I think the Fed is going to be sturdy because, you know, we'll see what happens. The CPI report, I think, supposed to come out today, if I'm not mistaken. But we'll see what happens when the new CPI report comes out because that will determine, like, what they're going to do. You know, if it comes out not too good, um, higher than expected, then, of course, they're going to continue the 25 basis points uh, rate hike. And that's just kind of how I'm looking at it. And I think the market is trying to price in that they're going to freeze or halt rate hikes. But. I think they're very adamant about protecting the dollar as much as possible because if they reverse or if they if they freeze now, if they freeze, they can only freeze and keep the rate hikes this high for a minimal amount of time. I say at at max the end of this year because you see the banks are already starting to crumble now. And it's 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 crazy, you know. So I think if they can't keep this high inflate uh this high interest rate environment for too long because over the course of time the more banks are going to start cracking, then there's going to be a run on the regional banks. And then the, the top four or five major banks will be uh, all have all the liquidity. You know, it'll be consolidated with all the liquidity, um, which is maybe what they want to do, you know, as they're steadily rolling out the CBDC. Um, as you know, the I don't know if you know, but Fed now is dropping in July. So that's going to be fascinating to see how that goes. I mean, the thing is, historically speaking, the... Um... The interest rates now are quite quite low. So, like twenty years ago, you would have like um, sixteen or fifteen percent. No, I mean twenty years ago is about seven percent. But if you look like forty years ago, it was sixteen percent interest. So, mm-hmm. I mean, now you can probably get a fixed mortgage for say four point five percent or four percent. Mm-hmm. Um, so, saying that, I mean, I think. The problem is they can't they can't really put interest rates any lower. That's the thing. Yeah. They they, yeah. they can't. So what they're gonna choose to do is just print money instead. Yeah, this is the thing. I think because back then the bubble wasn't as big as it is now, because it's so everyone is is over leveraged with credit. Everyone from consumers to businesses to banks, everyone. So, you know, the, the the problem got way, way larger than it was in the past. So I think for them to be able to increase the interest rates that high is impossible because everyone would get squeezed. You know, I mean, you see the business is already starting to fire people right now. You know, they're already I mean, starting. You know, obviously, layoff. yeah, obviously with AI, they're just going to replace um, people, uh, replace the, the labor for 
like artificial intelligence where they can. Um, But I mean, on the end of the day, I mean, I I spoke to my friend about this um, yesterday and um, there was an interesting video where somebody said that basically if you don't need people, you get rid of them. But in reality, what you should be doing is scaling your business up. So you keep the people on. Um, Mm. So, so instead of selling, say one thing, you say you sell more things and you keep the people on increase the trade. Um, but the problem is, uh, companies like, um, Twitter, they have the monopoly. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they don't, they don't really have any competition from that point on. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. I think that it's good to diversify, especially from the business aspect, you know, um, depending on what kind of business you have, but diversification, I think is key in this type of, you know, high interest rate environment but i would say that at the end of the day you know when businesses have to get squeezed and they do have to cut expense you know it will trickle down to the the employee right um at the end of the day the employee loses and it just it just it just makes everything worse because then you know you have all these mass layoffs then you have less purchasing power within the entire economy and you know how that game goes you know then the businesses are going to lose money over the course of time anyways right because there's going to be mass layoffs less people with money less spend spending power within the economy i mean it's a it's a vicious circle really um, yeah that's that's a problem you're having so i mean from from what i can see is they can't really reduce interest rates much lower because if they do then it's just going to become easy borrowing again mm-hmm. um and, and what they want to do effectively it all boils down to the covid loan so they borrowed this much money off during the pandemic and they're going to have to pay that off somehow. Um, they can't really pay it off because it's too much what they borrowed. Mm-hmm. And this, this is where it boils down to. So interest rates went up to kind of pay that loan off. Um, but to be honest with you, if they go back down, which I don't know, I don't, I don't know. They probably, it's, it's a hard one to call. I mean, on the end of the day, your property prices aren't going to be going up. That's the certainty. Yeah. How are the property prices looking now in in England? Is it is it stagnating? Um, are, are, are you been looking at it? It's pretty flat. Okay, that's why I assumed. Yeah, that's why I assumed because if, if I'm, I'm looking at it because um, people are probably they're not going to lower the prices really for their their property because they know eventually the fed is going to have to pivot I'm, I'm guessing they're seeing the warning signs with the banks and the banking crisis that's going on right now so yeah i mean the way it happens is if somebody wants to sell and they need to sell they're going to have to sell it below market value yeah yeah but i mean how much below market value though you know we're, we're talking maybe what like five percent below market value right now anywhere between five and ten percent so w- what i'm seeing the thing is you have like uh just like with crypto you have large cap coins and, and small cap coins um yeah. in, in the uk you have just like in america i'm guessing you have um large cap regions and small cap regions so for instance when everything does eventually kind of fall the biggest affected will be London. Um, smaller, smaller places won't be as affected, uh, but the biggest like drop is is these big cities. So, if if London drops thirty percent, that's a huge amount, you know. 
Mm-hmm. But if London drops 30%, then where I am isn't going to drop 30%. It might drop 10%. Yeah. Why? What's the reasoning behind that, though, would you say? Well, because the thing is, I mean, I mean, places like London, the property is not really based on the people who live there. It's based on foreign investors, so like Russians. So they come, they buy a house. Uh, nobody in London can afford to buy a house. I mean, that's just crazy. But for where, where we live um, in the Northwest, if you were to stay at home for three to four years, you could afford to put a deposit for a house. Mm-hmm. And this is this is kind of the difference we're having. So in London, you could never afford to put a deposit for a house. Just It's just impossible. Yeah. It's, it's not... It's not humanly possible. If a house is worth a million, uh, where are you going to find um, a hundred to two hundred thousand to put a deposit for a house? Just yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not even houses that are worth a million there, right? It's more like the the apartment, like 70, 60 square meter places, like in the city Dude. center, right? <laughs> uh, if my house was in London, it'd be worth uh, roughly three million. Um, <laughs> uh, where I'm where I'm staying, I think. The house is probably worth about maybe three to four hundred thousand. So you're looking at a 10x. <laughs> That's unreal, man. That's unreal. It's, it's like, okay, wh- where did they go from here? This is this is the thing, man, about this. So here's my issue with, with this whole situation, right? The fiat system, right? So essentially what they're doing or what they've been doing is you know squeezing the middle class, right? Because well, the middle class don't don't know anything about financial literacy, right? So they don't know when they print money that they're supposed to buy assets and those assets go up in, in, in value, right. In valuation. And so eventually what's going to happen is, you know, the millennials, uh, the zoomers are going to be completely priced out in about 10, 15, 20 years, right. Completely. Like there's no chance, you know, um, I think in most, uh, major areas around the world, even, even the more, uh, middle income areas are going to be priced out because the prices are just going to keep going up because they're going to have to start printing again. And every time they print the, the uh, asset appreciation is crazy. Right. Yeah. I mean, if, if the, England's different to, um, to America. So here, if there's a train system that like connects one of these smaller regions um, and it goes straight into London, you'll see an area where they have that, um, that transportation go up. Do you know, so mm-hmm. if, if, for instance, they build a, a, a super train and it, it, it travels to London in 30 minutes, that area that the super train is is traveling from and to mm-hmm. uh, people from London would commute there. Do you okay. get it? Yeah. So yes, the house. Yes. Pri- yeah. So the house price will just shoot up from that in between area. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you've seen a lot of that happening. Um, but the. <laughs> But the, the problem is, where do you take it from there? And now people now, the, the thing is, people aren't even commuting into London anymore. They're just working from home. Mm-hmm. So I've got somebody in my area. Um, he earns 120000 a year uh, mm-hmm. working in London, but he, he only goes to London maybe twice a month. Mm-hmm. And you see more and more of that where people have home offices and people work work from home rather than actually go into the office or go into a job, they just do it from home. Um, mm. So you see more and more of that, but where it's going to end, I don't know. Uh, I know firstly that um, property prices in London are way overvalued um, because what you what you really need to do is you need to get somebody's income and you need to times it by 
Um, I mean, a healthy figure would be no more than 10 to be worth the property price of that area. So in London, um, an average house is like 1.3 or 1.4 million. Mm -hmm. So how many people do you know um, after tax that earn 140 to 150,000 a year in London? And the, the answer is not many. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, you know, how is how is that going to sustain? Exactly. And if you're the thing is, again, a lot of people aren't financial literate. So even if they know to save money and they're not moving that into assets periodically as they're saving the money, then they're not going to be able to outpace the rate of inflation. Right. So even if you're earning that one hundred twenty thousand dollars after tax then you know let's say you know the cost of living is pretty high whatever after expense let's say you're able to save you know 20 30 grand a year but then the inflation is is going at a rapid pace i think what it's what is the inflation in, in london right now it's it's, it's, it's 10%. like 10.4 percent in the uk sheesh man and it's compounding that's that's the crazy thing about it that people don't understand it, it compounds yeah you know? year, year after year it compounds yeah so um i did a, a calculation um since 2000, I think it was 2017, um, I added 550 pounds and in today's uh, value, mm -hmm. uh, the same purchasing power, you'd need 670. <laughs> Ridiculous, man. And that's just from 2017, right? Yes, that's 2017. So if you were to, um, if you were to do the course of like 10 or 20 years, uh, mm -hmm. because the thing is people don't realize the... Um, the significant effect of compounding interest. Yes. You know, it's not it's not just one year. It's kind of one year, then another year based on the previous year, and it just compounds from that point on. Um yes. and this is what people don't realize. Yeah, exactly. No, I, yeah, I totally agree with you too as well. I also wanted to to talk to you too about the um the US, uh the banks uh as I told you I think before you know we recorded the podcast, but the banks lost uh money on mortgages they find us for the first time in history, right? And um, this article that I'm reading now, is uh, from Watch Guru. So um, it says that the, it says that uh, new data obtained by the Mortgage Bankers Association has revealed that the US banks have lost money for mortgages they finance for the first time in history. Moreover, both independent mortgage be uh, banks and mortgage subsidiaries of chartered banks lost an average of $301 per loan. Crazy. And it also says the, Data notes the first profit loss on record since report's inception in 2008. Additionally, the report states that the losses averaged 13 basis points and were brought by a combination of rising mortgage rates in a short time, low housing uh, inventory, and challenges in affordability. Wow. That's crazy, man. Um, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, ultimately, um, I'm not surprised really uh that happened um uh, the problem is that the game they're playing is uh, it's all their fault really all this is down to them it's down to the banks um yeah. and i've spoken to a lot of people about this but i mean if you think about it say a house is worth uh 800,000 or a million a million pounds or a million dollars, whatever it is. Yeah. If there wasn't the mechanism to have a mortgage in place, how much would it actually be worth? Exactly. This is my this is my thesis too, as well, when it comes to, to cryptocurrency, right? Because I'm looking at it 
if the value because i see for instance bitcoin as a value extractor right it's a value extracting and and value preservation tool right and as more and more liquidity and value gets funneled into uh, you know satoshis over the course of time and then people start valuing because uh, you know the the concept of value and uh, a medium of exchange tool um, because if you look at it right from the, let me let me let me backtrack right so if you look at it i don't want money right what i actually want is the good and the service that money you know exchanges for you know i don't want the actual money so if you can switch that tooling to something that's more hard and something that can't be changed a monetary policy that can be changed then it can help to stop robbing people of you know their value over the course of time you know um so my thing is, as the value starts getting more and more extracted into this monetary vehicle, you know, Bitcoin, I think uh, over the course of time, the the property prices will go down, you know, because yeah. they're, they're yeah. going to be it's going to it's going to trade against Bitcoin. Right. And Bitcoin's yeah, value is going up and the assets, are, I think the value will eventually go down. There's going to be a bubble and it's going to go down when it's trading against Bitcoin. Right. And that's I mean, I on the on the end of the day, there's only so much money in the in the world really um and what's going to happen is people people historically they never used to buy property to to hedge inflation nobody ever did that but then when it became a thing everybody did that and everybody rushed into it mm -hmm. um and that's what created this inflated situation we're in so i think once cryptocurrency gets to a point where uh where, where like uh, pensions are getting involved and, and 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 different 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 tools are being used for people to invest in like for instance i don't know have you heard of nutmeg and uh, moneybox and and all these like auto investing tools mm -hmm. yeah so, i know about auto investing tools but i don't know about those specific brands but yeah i mean there's quite a few of them there's like there's quite a few and what they do is they they do like a stocks and shares for for your money mm -hmm. uh, so they have like Basically, they invest it for you so you don't have to think about it. Once those tools allow for crypto to be in place where they can uh, um, allocate some of the funds to, for instance, buying Bitcoin or buying Ethereum on a monthly basis, um, that's where you're going to see people on their own just literally just coming in and buying it just to hedge inflation. Now, I don't think we're seeing normies buying crypto to hedge inflation. And, yeah. and but once that happens, I think that's going to be a, the biggest boom um i don't yeah. know when it's going to happen my inclination on that will be like 2030 somewhere around there i i actually i mean it's already you see fidelity and blackrock are already starting to get into the game so um i don't think we're that far off there i mean it's just they're going through the legalities of everything and you know because the government obviously doesn't want it to happen until they want it to happen right but fidelity and um BlackRock and also Bank of America, uh, they just tweeted now recently that they want to start offering cold storage services, right, for their clients, right? The the problem I have with this, though, is, uh, you know, the entire point of cryptocurrency is the self-sovereignty aspect of it, right? So when you're leasing that control to a custodian, for me, it's it's kind of the same kind of game that we had previously. And we don't now they can manipulate the prices of things again, like they that they do with gold because of the derivatives markets and so on. When you're you you do not even know the thing is if they were serious about being custodian and actually, you know, really, you know, taking this serious, then why don't they uh put their address 
and make it public so people can see it on chain? Listen, I mean, the big boys are not going to give up their guns, are they? Um, <laughs> they're, they're just not. So yeah. they currently have the entire market as it is. Um, the only thing they can do is integrate this technology within their platform and make it cheaper for them to run. That's kind of the future where it's heading. Uh, I don't see them actually giving anybody private keys or giving anybody wallet addresses and stuff. I see it. I, I don't know where I see it, but I see I see people will just be using blockchain technology within their banking apps. Um, transactions will happen on chain, but whether you'll ever be able to see your address or not, I don't know. Yeah, because it, it kind of removes the entire because the whole point, you know, is self sovereignty. So for me, I I think the the problem in the market right now is education, and this is what I like about El Salvador, right? Because they have these uh, these Bitcoin schools and academies that people can attend and and learn, you know, uh, get educated on self custody, get educated on the entire uh, necessary elements of understanding blockchain analysis, understanding uh, how to the private key aspect, understanding the monetary policy, understanding the entire purpose and uh, of the of the technology, right? So this is what I think is is missing is the education portion, and I don't think people want to get educated. I think people just, they don't care enough. A lot of people don't even know, they don't get the purpose. Because if you're in the West, you don't really understand the importance of this technology, right? But if you're somewhere that where there's currency currency instability, you have hyperinflation, like if you're looking at like a Zimbabwe, a Venezuela, uh, these type of areas, you know, where there's hyperinflation going on, you know, you don't really, you don't really understand if you don't have to deal with remittance payments. If you like living in a Western country, but your grandma is in Iran, you know, where they're sanctioned. If they're in Russia, where they're sanctioned, you know, yeah, yeah you do. people don't really understand this. It's, that's, that's the problem. I think with, I think the West is going to be very slow in uh, adaptation of this technology. Whereas the, the more developing nations, the, the, areas that need it more like you see these nations i think are going to be more forward thinking and have a uh an advantage you know in terms of adoption in the adoption curve i mean obviously america is going to lead the way here um that's that's kind of what's going to happen um you think so america, yeah I, I i either the uk or america um I think the UK is probably going to start the start the show, and then America is just going to jump on. Uh, we, we need to remember that USDC is one of the like the biggest uh, market cap coins, stable coins. Like, yeah, you're right. You know, so that's not going to go away, is it? Um, and then you, obviously you've got USDT, but I mean USDC is the main one, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that the laws set in place for the UK are much stronger than America. And the the stance it takes, you see, what, what happens is the UK sets the laws, Europe copies them, right? Mm -hmm. And then somewhere in the middle, somewhere in the middle, before Europe copies them, America comes in and takes it as well. So America's very good at making business out of anything. Okay. You yeah. look at you look at the internet, it was kind of mainly it was it was it was all pushed from the UK. But you look at the likes of Google, you look at the likes of Amazon, uh, you look at the likes of Yahoo, they're all American-based, okay? Mm -hmm. 
uh, if you look at most inventions, most of them were either formed in the UK or in Europe, but the Americans were always the first to make it into a business. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say so too. But the problem is when you're looking at the legal framework that's currently presently constructed in America and also how they're handling the entire situation in regards yeah, to- handling badly. Yes, exactly. And you have companies leaving now. You have companies that are starting to make uh, subsidiaries in other countries. They're like, okay, fine, we'll just we'll just leave. We don't care anymore about the the U.S. And I I I kind of told people this was going to happen, you know, because when you have these friendly business environments, when you're looking at a Dubai, you're looking at now like in El Salvador, you're looking at a Singapore. When you have these areas that are more friendly for entrepreneurs and have very clear cut laws already in place and legal framework then why go through the headache of doing it in the U.S. when you can just do it somewhere else? And then when the U.S. figures it out, you can open a subsidiary in the U.S. and then go from there. But by that time, they'll be behind on the adoption curve. That's the thing. I mean, it, it, isn't that what's happening with um, businesses in the U.K. where all these offshore companies are set up in, in, in God knows where, like Costa and Starbucks, where they don't pay any tax yeah. in the U.K. And yeah. then they're just opening subsidiaries in the U.K. and then they're operating so that's somewhat happening in the real world as it is um you know yeah. it's it's like your 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 small coffee shop pays more tax than multinational costa because they have an offshore company based in you know british virgin islands and mm -hmm. they have their main meetings on the british virgin islands and they class it as an offshore company so yeah i think i don't think that's going to change anytime soon and i think um, but I think I don't like that model at all. Uh, I think it's wrong personally. Yeah. I mean, the thing is the, the rule books are put in place. Um, so people can, you know, people who understand the rules, they have the advantage, right? Um, so th even if they change the rules slightly, the people who understand those rules that are being changed slightly will always have the advantage, you know, but when I'm looking at it from the, from, from the outside, looking in the U S right, you see that they're trying to ban TikTok now and you see, what's going on right now um, in regards to them, they're trying to increase taxes. The thing is, look, increasing taxes or increasing the entire, uh, the the labor force in the IRS is not gonna help anything, right? Because you gotta think the, the rich people have the best lawyers. They have an army of lawyers that are, that are more equipped with more experience than some Joe Schmo that just got hired from the IRS and just learned after six months about taxes, right? Then you have the issue of them increasing the taxes, which isn't gonna help anything because Again, the rich people don't pay taxes because they understand the rules. They know that you can um, you can write off taxes on from your real estate properties that you own. You can write off the the credit that you borrow. You can open up trust. They understand this game. You know you can open up nonprofits. You know you can uh, write off a lot of uh, stuff as business expenses, right? They understand the game. I and mean, so, yeah. I mean the whole the whole point of 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 taxes is to kind of keep the system going. Um, but the problem is if if you have the very rich that uh you know if rules are developed for the very rich to not not keep the system going then it's wrong in a way i mean yeah i mean i to be honest with you if you're not going to take money from the rich who are you going to take it from yeah but the the problem is a zero sum game cuz it's like okay even if they were to change the rule book to like force the rich so they didn't have all these different 
um, favorable tax situations. Well, it would it would cause a lot of problems, right, in the long term. Because, you know, these things, as you know, it's not a push a button and then fix all. Because, you know, economies are like the anatomy, right? They're like the human anatomy. You know, you, something breaks or something gets fixed and then something else messes up. So when you're looking at it, if you force the rich people to pay more in tax, well, that means they, they decrease their profit margin, right? And if you're decreasing their profit margin, well, then they're going to find a way to to make up for that difference, either by increasing the prices for their good or service or by laying off people. Right. And if they either way that they choose, one way causes more inflation and the other way is going to cause a, a ripple effect where less people have jobs or have, have less spending power and then they have less to purchase for other businesses. Right. And then that causes a whole entire ripple effect throughout the economy. So. I think they make the laws in that way to favor rich people because these, these laws are completely legal, like the, the the tax avoidance laws or tax optimization laws they have in place. But it's to also keep things sustainable because the more that the rich people don't take advantage of these things, the less money they have and they can't expand the business. They can't grow and hire more people. So more people have more income, you know, so it's it's really not a uh, OK tax rich and this solves it or, you know, increase it. it it's it's so it's so much more uh multi-dimensional more complex than that you know in my opinion but what do you think i don't know i mean from from one from the one angle i do agree with you that obviously the rich need to need to keep innovating and keep investing in the company uh but the problem is um you know okay they give if the problem is when you have a system set up where they can just register offshore companies or they they when you live in a country this is my take when you live in a country um you shouldn't be able to take money from that country um and not pay the tax uh, that's that's my notion on it so when when people for instance when these companies sell like costa and starbucks and they're taking money from the people and they're not paying any corporation tax because it's filtered through some secondary company mm-hmm. um based in an offshore company based based in offshore country that shouldn't be able to happen because there's no money being generated in the offshore in the offshore country you understand what i mean yes but what if what if that business is hiring more and more people and expanding, right? So they're helping your economy indirectly, right? Because more people have more purchasing power because they have more jobs available for people, and so that okay, decreases. Okay, so so rate. why don't they just reduce the tax within the country so people can do that? Like, okay, let let me put this in a simple form. Um, yeah. I live in your house, okay? Yeah. Um, I eat your food, but I pay nothing to you or your house. Instead, mm-hmm. I'm paying it in another house because I've decided to fund the other house, but I'm not funding the house that I that I live in. The money's coming from the UK. It's coming from Germany or from wherever it is yes. by the people of that country because of the innovation of that country. But what these companies are doing is they're setting up base in... Uh, in a, in a country with no innovation, just simply tax avoidance rules. Mm-hmm. So they're not paying anything or paying very little to that country. And I think it's just wrong because when you, when you have like a sophisticated country where you have the laws set in place for innovation to happen, and then what you're doing is saying, right, well, we'll take all that innovation, right? We'll make money in this country, but instead of paying tax in that country, we'll just now register in an offshore uh, 
uh, in an offshore country like uh, Cayman Islands or whatever. Mm-hmm. But this this country that they're registering the company to has absolutely no innovation. Yes, I, I, I get what you're saying. But the thing is, um, how I look at it is like this, man, because I'm seeing I'm, I'm getting what you're saying. But for instance, if you look at the zero tax countries, right, if you look at, for instance, like a Dubai, right, um, it works only because the government has is able to subsidize the public goods and services from the oil that they control. Right. So they they control the oil companies and they're able to subsidize some of the public goods and services. But the people are generally speaking more on their own, you know, um, as you've you've explained it to me, too, before. Like if you're not um, Emirati, then you don't get certain privileges as someone who was born there and so on and so forth. And they don't really help to subsidize people's lifestyles from like. So so hold on. So let me let me get this straight. So in 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 America, in Europe in the uk when you're born in a country you're you're a citizen a full citizen of that country so they're not going to turn around and say hey because you you were black and you were born in america you don't belong in america i mean they 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 can't do that and in in the uk whether you're black or whether you're jewish and you're born in the uk you're given like proper citizenship just like any other person yeah um dubai has its own rule sets that says we don't follow this rule. And yet again, um, companies are allowed to register an offshore offshore uh, company into Dubai and take money from the UK and pay no tax in the UK and said pay whatever they're going to pay into Dubai. Mm. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I get what you're saying. But the... the, the... <sighs> Yeah, that's a, it's a little bit of a tricky situation, man. But yeah, I get what you're saying. But I'm saying that even though they're making the money from the UK and they're moving it to Dubai and they're not paying taxes from the UK, they're still um, um, providing jobs, you know, for people, you know. So, yes, it's bad what they're doing, but they're also doing good, you know, too, as well. Because, say, for instance, if you were to force this company to pay tax, maybe the company the company can't operate in that same way. You know, or they can't expand anymore, or they have to increase the prices for their goods and services now because they they're, they have a, they have to add it on an expense of, of 30, 40, 50 percent tax or whatever the tax rate is in the UK. You understand what I mean? So I mean, I, mean, I, I completely understand what you mean. It's just yeah. if if they needed to be favorable taxes for the rich, then they should they should be able to be done within the country rather than uh, companies seeking to go offshore. Um, so, 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 what you're saying is the UK should lower the taxes to entice entrepreneurs to not uh, um, have offshore companies in Dubai and stuff like that, basically. I mean, if if I was in charge, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't permit uh, offshore companies to operate in any country. I'm just, just the whole notion is just flawed. Um, yeah, I think, I think if you're, yeah, I, I just, I just can't see that working out. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know how that works out. I mean. You just literally avoid corporation tax completely. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally understand you from that from that perspective. But I'm like, okay. So if they say, for instance, in this hypothetical scenario, and they stayed in UK, what are the, what are the, would be the tax rates for them? It's progressive, I'm assuming, right? Um, so it'd be what, let's say, uh, estimate twenty thirty percent tax. So that's now well, eating into their their profit margin. Well, it's I think it's in its twenty percent now. It's going up to twenty five percent. So what you would do is you probably just lower the corporation tax based on the people they hire and the innovation they they bring to the table. 
I don't know. I mean, I'm not an accountant, but yeah, of course, of course. But my thing is, okay, you lower the corporation tax. Well, again, it's not like pushing a button because then now the 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 uh, government has less income because the the way the only two ways the government makes money is either they borrow it or they they get it from taxes, right? Or those are the only two ways. And in the states, they can just make money out of thin air and print it because of the global reserve currency. And so if you're, if you're lowering the taxes to, let's say, a 10% from a 20 25% basis on the corporation tax, then where is that, uh, that difference coming from? It's going to have to come from somewhere else, right? You're going to have to increase it somewhere else, either from the progressive tax for uh, regular day-to-day uh, middle-class citizens, or, well, you know, you're going to have to have some kind of tax clause somewhere because they're, they're, you're losing money as a, as a company or as a country to keep companies there in-house um mm-hmm. and that's the thing mm-hmm. otherwise they have to print the money or borrow the money um which is you know essentially uh causing more issues because then you increase the debt ceiling and when the debt ceiling gets increased then you're paying more for the interest rates and then eventually you get to a point where you get squeezed as a country which is where the states is at now and the states is at a is at a deficit they operate a deficit every year so we don't produce more than we spend and so we have a deficit because, you know, you have the Medicaid, Medicare and the Social Security that's mandatory to pay. Right. And after you take that expense, plus the uh, the interest rates on the uh, on the bond. Right. So they're paying the interest rates on the bonds on top. And you add those two together um, with all the other miscellaneous expenses as well. You know, um, roads and yada, yada. You know, when you add all those expenses together, there's a deficit. Right. I've done the calculations, a deficit of around four to five hundred billion dollars as of today. Right. Something like that. So they're printing the money to make the difference, whereas in other countries, they're just borrowing the money from like the ECB, you know, in Europe, for instance. So my thing is like, then it just causes more inflation and you, you create a bigger debt ceiling until it gets unsustainable to the point where the deficit is so big that you're printing so much and then it causes hyperinflation. I think we're kind of there, basically. Yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 it's crazy, man. It's crazy. But I think people don't, don't really don't really get the the entire landscape of how the the, the macroeconomic environment works it's, it's like I, I tell people all the time i compare it to anatomy it's like literally like the human body if i mess up my back well that means i can't sit down it sucks when i try to sleep and then that affects my sleeping and then it causes other issues and then maybe i i eventually have a bad posture which which makes other issues in, in the future you know so one thing affects another um you know, it's, it's that's why like this whole interest rate hike thing makes no sense to me because it's like, I mean, it's a temporary fix for a long term problem because they're eventually okay. You break the economy, you people, you put people out of business. People are are humans, right? At the end of the day, so what you're essentially doing is you're they're literally they even admitted it that they have to put people out of work for the system to continue because. That's what they're doing. They're increasing interest rates, which makes it uh, more expensive to borrow cheap to, to borrow debt. And if businesses can't borrow cheap debt. Well, then that means they can't offset more on their taxes, you know, from borrowing the cheap debt. And that means that they're going to have to cut expenses somehow or increase the prices for goods and services, you know. And so um, what these what essentially is going on is the government is increasing the interest rates. The, the people then the, the businesses have a choice, you know whether they increase the prices for the good of service or to lay off people and they're choosing to lay off people and they're breaking, you know, actual homes and families, you know, by doing this. And this whole system, the problem is the money, right? If you fix the money, you solve the problem, fix the money. The money is the problem. 
you know, because what we've all agreed up, uh, upon uniformly to 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 uh, to to trade as the medium of exchange for goods and services is is money, right? Fiat, right? But fiat is 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 literally it's controlled by a few amount of people that decide when they want to increase or decrease the money supply, and we don't know when that is. There's no um, consistency. That's what I like about Bitcoin. You know, the monetary policy can't be changed. It's just code. Like we trust Google. You know, so for me, it's it, it kills me and it blows my mind that you know people have uniformly agreed upon a monetary policy that's controlled by a few people that know they're in the know and they know when the the monetary policy is going to change before we do you know so then they prepare you know you look at the wall street boys you know it's 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 not a it's not fun you know and as a business you you have to decide and maneuver your entire business based off of what you think the monetary policy is going to be over the course of time you know it's it's a difficult situation man okay um yeah. yeah i mean i completely agree uh it's, it's definitely what a, a difficult situation to be in um yeah. but i mean yeah. bitcoin's just crossed 30k just now um i just had a look at that yeah uh so i don't know that's the first time in uh in quite Since a while 2022. i think uh summer of 2022 i think was the was the last time was it 30k um, I mean, before let me let like, me let me let me have a look uh yeah let me have a look so yeah Bitcoin. i think it crashed after ftx uh last year um if i'm not mistaken because it was at 30k and then it, it and then once the ftx thing happened and, so uh, it was in may the last time it was at this price mm -hmm, summer yeah yeah and and uh then it crashed because of ftx and the thing is that's the thing it pisses me off too it's like People try to tie FTX to crypto and FTX is just a broker that, you know, facilitates crypto transactions. You know, it's not a web free company. And I don't understand why they're, they're, they're going hand in hand. To be honest with you, FTX was the biggest um, scam Ponzi scheme, uh, one of the biggest in crypto. And um, I think Sam is a very foolish man. Um, he gave this persona that he was a good guy and, and wanting to help everybody. But in reality, I think he trusted uh, the wrong people within his company. Uh, and he didn't have the, he didn't have the guts or the balls to admit what would, what, what was happening and to, to actually bring it forward. So yeah. what, what he did, he, he just kind of lost a lot of confidence because what, what he also did, which people don't, don't, don't quite remember or, or don't quite understand is that, when everything was going down and people were depositing like uh, specific tokens in his exchange, the tokens that they were depositing never actually existed. Exactly. He, he would just literally sell them on. He would just he would just dump the whole tokens and to to pump his uh, his FTX token. So all those tokens were lost. Yeah. 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 And that's and and to me that that kind of if 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 he if he was meant to have so many Solana on his exchange and so many Bitcoin, none of that actually existed. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's the thing. But that's the game. I think a lot of these exchanges are playing is you don't actually know it's paper trading, and you know at the end of the day because you don't actually know. It's the same with pay, PayPal. Is uh, I think you can you can buy Bitcoin on PayPal, and it's like okay, but you can't take the Bitcoin off. So it's like you guys are paper trading, you know. At the I end mean, of the day, 
Revolut does the same thing. Yeah, Revolut does the same thing. But I think they they did just recently add a feature, if I'm not mistaken, that you can take it off. Nah. But uh, no, you still can't. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Revolut yeah. are just yeah, they're not for me. Yeah, yeah, you've told me like uh, how they froze people's accounts and so on. They did just literally freeze your account for nothing. Yeah, for no reason, man. It's, it's I nuts. mean, you've got you've got you've got ten dollars there, and they'll just freeze your account. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, uh, I was also looking at the news too. Like I saw that uh, Elon, you know, he had the the Dogecoin logo. I just I don't understand this whole thing with Dogecoin, man. I don't get it. Like I I I want to like I get it because okay, I get it and I don't get it. Right? I get that that tokenization of assets to build a community to then facilitate a product or service later is a new business model. I understand it. You know, I get this aspect. But what I don't get is, is out of all the, the, the currencies that you could choose, which I don't consider uh, Bitcoin cryptocurrency, because cryptocurrency for me is just actual companies that are using tokenization models to facilitate the product or service. Whereas Bitcoin is a neutral asset that no one controls. There's no CEO. There's no founder. They can't change the monetary policy. Uh, you need like a 70% or, or plus agreement amongst all the, 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 the people who own stake and miners, right, to be able to do that, right? Um, but with, uh, with, with the other thing, it just doesn't, it doesn't really make any sense to me, you know, like with cryptocurrency, you know, I, I, I think that, um, with Dogecoin, for instance, Dogecoin for me is like, uh, and the inflation on Dogecoin, right? It's, it's, it's forever inflationary. So it's not a deflationary asset like Bitcoin. The inflation just keeps going up. I think around 5 billion every single year, right? If I'm not mistaken of new Doge gets minted every single year. So I don't get like why you're choosing this thing that doesn't have a use case and isn't serving a real purpose as um, some kind of thing to 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 troll the SEC or whatever. I think if you're going to do something, make it legit, put like Bitcoin or something, maybe add Bitcoin payments for people to tip on, on Twitter or introduce a lightning network. So if people pay less in fees like think, they have in El Salvador, I think I think Elon just wants to piss them off, to be honest. So <laughs> so that's it. Um. But I mean, there was um, there was I, I read something um, that the SEC have a wallet that I'm not sure if it was Doge that they they had a lot of, um, but they they had a wallet that that controlled a lot of crypto. A lot of crypto. Um, oh no no sure. no that 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 was uh you, you might be talking about Coin Bureau because he uh, he made an April Fool's joke. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was April Fools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, what an idiot! Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was trolling. He was trolling, man. Like it was April. He Fool. trolled me. Yeah, yeah. If you, oh. if you got got, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, oh, I knew it right away. I was like, "Come on, they're not holding Doge, and the password isn't one, two, three, four, five. You know, whatever." Yeah, <laughs> I didn't read anything about a password, but I, I definitely read it was they were holding Doge. I was like, "That's strange." No, no, it's not. It's 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 the whole thing with Doge, man. Uh, it, it's gonna go away eventually. I mean, it's, it's it's not a real project. It's not real use case. It doesn't serve a real purpose. And um, I think a lot of these cryptos are gonna go away, but. Um, they're just projects, man. Like I consider them like decentralized SaaS to an extent. You know, they're just like software as a service, but just using a tokenization model to help community building and um, and help uh, make the incentivization model more efficient. That's what tokens do, right? Whether they're NFTs or with through um, actual crypto tokens, right? 
um, but it's not it's not Bitcoin, right? I mean, Bitcoin is um, it's a beast on its own. Um, and I think people will start stop to tie Bitcoin with all the madness of Web two companies like FTX or crypto companies that are doing DeFi. It's how is it DeFi if you can get shut down? It's not DeFi if you can get shut down. It's not DeFi if there's um, you're asking for KYC. That's not decentralized finance, right? So the idea that uh, someone can come in and then go attack the CEO to fix the the, the policy with your the DeFi platform, like Uniswap mm -hmm. has a CEO. That's not DeFi for me, you no. know, it's it's not. If, if, you, no. if DeFi for me is putting an open source code on the internet and having anyone be able to transact mm -hmm. and only having it changed if there's a there's a vote that people are able to change it and, and removing yourself completely from the protocol. And I mean, probably I, completely. I completely get that. But I think what, what they do is they kind of disperse their tokens amongst the community. And by doing that, they kind of say we're decentralized. So now we're DeFi. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's how it works. So if, if for instance, I've, I create a project and I've got um, like a thousand tokens and I disperse all of them amongst everybody who's used it, and I hold a small portion of those tokens, then that's what they consider DeFi. And that's funny because that's literally like a unregistered security. That's literally all that is, you know? <laughs> if yeah, you, but, if because, but, because, but because they don't hold the majority of the tokens and they're all dispersed, um, they say, well, you know, this... I'm not, I, I, I can't do anything about it. So I have no control. So it's, it's therefore not mine. It's a bit like having a company and having uh, shares everywhere and you having virtually no shares. So you're saying kind of like, it's the company of the people. So that's, that's kind of what they're doing. Um, that's why all these layer ones give incentives for people to take their tokens. So they'll create a treasury and then they'll disperse all their tokens amongst incentive programs. Um, and what they're, what they're really doing is they're kind of lowering their stake within their own ecosphere. Yeah. I mean, I get that. But, you know, based off of like the how the U.S. does it with the Howey test, you know, the only true for me uh, real form of a commodity is, is Bitcoin because there was no pre-mine, you know, mm -hmm. um, and there's no CEO. Um and for me, that's that for me is a commodity because anyone can, for instance, anyone can go get gold. Like you can, you if you have the money, and you have the backing, you have the the uh, the technological expertise, you can go find uh, gold, you know, on the ground, and you can dig it up and you can collect it for yourself, right? Anyone can do that. Same with same with Bitcoin, right? And that's what makes it a commodity. But whereas with these um, these these uh, protocols, right? You know, when you're launching something and you already have a stake in it and you're not buying it afterwards, you know, you're not having to, to show some kind of proof of work, you know, because that's what gold is, right? You're showing some kind of proof of work to get the gold and you're not showing any kind of proof of work and you already have stake in, in the in the protocol. And then you even if you leave it to the people, I think eventually it can transition probably to a commodity if you leave it eventually to the people. But it's like if you already own the stake, this is where it gets like tricky you know because uh, i don't know how to really define it if you if you launched it as basically unregistered security and then and then you but it's not uh, what they all do they all do it yeah that's what they're all doing um they they have a public sale which is mostly illegal uh they register it with a number of companies that are again 
surprise, surprise, based in some tax haven place. Yeah. Um, and then eventually they have one entity send tokens to another entity within the country they want to operate. And then they, they call themselves regulated. And that's just how it works. Yeah. It's, and that's, yeah. So because because there's a framework already in place to have these offshore companies and to have mm-hmm. offshore companies interacting with places where regulation is happening in an unregulated manner um yeah. that's kind of what's happening here they just they'll 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 register a company whether it's british virgin islands cayman islands somewhere like that mm-hmm. where there's no regulation um they'll do their token sale with that company then they'll have a treasury and then they'll gift the tokens to another company which is somewhat the supporting company uh of the token Mm-hmm. And then they'll use incentive programs to disperse the tokens to to increase engagement. Yes, exactly. That's the business model. But, you know, I have a question for you, man. What do you think about this whole, do you think the whole idea of, uh, because here's my thing, man. I don't think the government really helps protect the people, right? Um, no, securities, no, you know? No, no, so no. What, what is the purpose of having a, a securities and exchange commission when they don't actually help the people? So are they really what they're doing? Yes. Um, by law, it's it's illegal in some countries. It, it depends. Right. Because if you're launching it in a country that doesn't abide by SEC regulation, then it's not illegal. But the problem this is where it gets in that gray area, because you're able to facilitate that token to everyone around the world because of the technology. Yeah. Yeah, and, sure. if that, and if that's the case, then what is the purpose then of, of there's no real need for the securities? I think that's why the Securities and Exchange Commission is kind of fighting this back because they don't want people to be able to launch things without them being able to control and regulate them because they don't have a job. I mean, how many how many uh, how many projects have been funded without their knowledge? You know. Yeah, for sure. There's 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 thousands. Yeah, there's thousands. Are, are we talking ninety nine point nine percent are funded without their knowledge? Um, and I think what they want to do is their mission is to protect the consumer. And I get that, but ultimately I'm, I'm somewhat questioning myself and saying, is their mission to keep the poor, poor and the rich richer? Because once you are an accredited investor, you're Mm -hmm. okay to invest in these speculative um investments but once you're not an accredited investor in other words your net worth is under a million yes um you you you're not you're somehow too dumb exactly uh and and i I just think i just think that's nonsense me too and this is this is my this is why like i and also if you look at it man why is a stock market you know open at a certain time close a certain time every day and it's not open on the weekends, you know, whereas with the crypto market, it's completely liquid all the time and everyone has access to it. So I just see like uh, a shift happening where you go from the, the the stock exchange to the block exchange, if you will, you know, um, because it just makes sense to tokenize things and it makes everything more easier, makes things more liquid. It moves things in economies more exponentially because you don't have to wait for the market to, you know, to open, to get your money out or to sell or to buy or, you know. You can just do it whenever you feel like it. And I think that's how it should be. Um, why, why do you have to wait a certain time to do to do things? 
I don't know, man. I honestly, yeah. I think I think the people who set up the financial system early on, they they had it this way. Um, but I, I can't see it continuing for much longer. Yeah, me neither. I mean, if you look at how it's set up and how people get the information before other people and they know exactly when to buy and when to sell, that is it. That's an unfair advantage. Then you like you said, you, you explained the accredited event, uh, investor, right? Air quotations, the accredited uh, investor where you need a million uh, in net worth to be able oh, that makes you now more of a suitable. Imagine, you know, you, you gain all the way up to a million in net worth and you're like, wait, I wasn't less intelligent yesterday than when I, when I was at 900,000 in net worth to, than I am today at a million in net worth, you know? <laughs> so what's the difference, you know? And it's just, it's just all about money, you know, at the end of the day. And I agree, you know, it just keeps the poor people poor. You know, and it's unfortunate, but yeah, man. Um, dude. I mean, who's 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 to say that um, rich people don't make stupid bets? Yeah, that's 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 true. They, of course, everyone, anyone that makes it to the level of seven, eight, nine figs in net worth, they they made a lot of stupid decisions and and, and took a lot of risk and failed. It's impossible to go through that route and just unless you were born into wealth. You know, yeah, that's something cool. completely different. Um, to 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 be honest, I think that the whole the whole idea of this this accredited investor scheme, I think it's it's nonsense. I think anybody should be able to invest. I think, but at the same time, they should be told the risks. So, yeah, exactly. Um, and honestly, my, honestly, my opinion is you should research the risk yourself. But you should also not be able to not have access to the information. But everyone has access now because of the internet. But um, you, at the end of the day, it's your responsibility. If you deploy capital into something, if I deploy capital into a drink and then it ends up being a shitty drink, well, that's my fault. That's the risk that I took, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. That's it. That's it. I mean, um, you know, you can invest in all sorts of things. And if, if you lose money, that's down to you. Um, but I think, I don't know. I mean, on the end of the day, the SEC, they do what they do. Um I don't know why they were set up. They were set up to protect people. So, yeah, it is what it is. So was the government, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll leave. We'll we'll leave on that note. We just hit our like one hour mark, man. Let's leave on this note, man, and let's let's do this again next week or sometime, man. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Oh, it's a sunny day today, so I better enjoy the rest of the day. Yeah, me too. I'm about to go out now and uh, yeah, go um, meet the the videographer and whatnot, but. All right, guys, so this concludes this episode of the Mooncast, man, and peace.